Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, who inspired these words, work among us now. May your word be living and active among us now, that we might become the devoted people you long for us to be. Amen. Well, as I mentioned in that prayer, this is part of our sermon series, Devoted. And we're thinking about the book of Acts and the portrait it gives us of God's devoted people. And today, our topic is devoted to mission. So here's a question. How do you know what you're really devoted to? How can you tell if you're really devoted? Here's one way of finding out. What is the thing you keep doing even when everything else changes? What is the thing you hold on to even when everything else is taken away? Whatever that is, that is what you are devoted to. And that's what we just saw in our reading from Acts chapter 8. The early church there, we see, were persecuted terribly. They were scattered. And yet, verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They were devoted to mission. Even in their suffering and opposition, they kept speaking up for Jesus. They were devoted to mission. They were speaking the life-saving word wherever God sent them. That's what it means to be devoted to mission, to speak God's life-saving word wherever he sends us. And if you look at verse 4 again, you'll see that this was natural for them. Have a look. No one told them to do this. No one coordinated them to do this. They didn't have workshops or instruction guides. This is just what they did. It was so natural for them to speak up. Even after all they'd been through, they couldn't help themselves. They had to say to everyone they met everything that God had done for them in Jesus. It was natural. And also, verse 4, it wasn't just the experts doing this. Luke told us in the first verse that the apostles weren't scattered. They stayed behind in Jerusalem. Philip, who's in the spotlight for most of Acts chapter 8, isn't even an apostle. And yet we read about his amazing ministry of word and spirit. And as impressive as Philip is, the heart of our passage really is verse 4. All God's people devoted to mission. All God's people, that gloriously messy bunch that God loves and works through, that Praise and Gabriel and Samuel have joined this morning in baptism, all of us devoted to mission. Now, mission is a huge topic. We couldn't cover it in just one morning. But my prayer is that through these words, God, by his spirit, will work this devotion to mission into us. And this passage gives us two parts, the backdrop and then the end result of mission. So first, the backdrop, it's opposition. We speak the life-saving word against the backdrop of opposition. If you look at verse 1, what we see there is a step change in persecution. The early church had experienced it before, but in much smaller doses than this. They'd seen their leaders be condemned, even flogged and imprisoned. But after Stephen was put to death for witnessing to Jesus, it all got much harsher. Verse 3, we meet Saul. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This new enemy spearheading the persecution, trying to destroy what God has been doing. Terrible opposition. 
And it's a huge change from everything they had known up till this point. Back in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, this is what Luke writes. This is a snapshot of how they were living in Jerusalem. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That was an amazing time for the early church. It was the glory days to be nestled in the heart of the temple, sharing the good news without fear. And yet here in Acts 8, that changes forever. And the church can never go back to the glory days of being accepted in Jerusalem again. And if you were one of the early church, you would think to yourself, what is God doing in this? Why is he allowing us to be driven out of our home? And yet, of course, as we look at this chapter, we see that God was not surprised. As terrible as this persecution was, God is at work in and through it. So that even as his people are scattered, they take the good news of Jesus with them. And the church grows. Even in Samaria, which would have felt like enemy territory to these loyal Jews. You see, opposition is a feature of what God is doing in his world. It's not a bug. It's not an obstacle to blessing and what he's doing. It's an opportunity for it. Even as today, many of our brothers and sisters across the world are living out verse one, being chased out of their homes and taking Jesus with them. This is a feature of what God is doing. The world that God so loves is the world that has turned against him. And if we are his people, we will taste some of that opposition. That's the kind of world Jesus came into, one which ended up crucifying him. I often hear Christians pray a lovely prayer that we would be Jesus's hands and feet in the world today. I think that's a lovely prayer, that we go and do Jesus's works in his power. And I think we should pray that prayer. But whenever we do, we should also remember what happens to Jesus's hands and feet in this world pierced through on the cross. And if we're faithfully following him, that will be part of our experience too. But that isn't bad news. That isn't the obstacle. That's actually the opportunity. This passage is a huge encouragement to us. We should never think that sharing Jesus, that the mission of God can only happen when Christians are comfortable in their comfort zone. We should never think that it can only happen when the church has cultural power and respect. We should never think that it can only happen when my personal life is going well and spiritually I'm on the up. It's easy to think that, isn't it? That only when things go well can I really be sharing Jesus. Not at all. In this passage, God is saying, in these moments of opposition, against that backdrop, his mission goes forward. Don't limit God to what we think he's able to do. Look at this passage and see that even out of his people's persecution, he is at work. He is at work. It's actually a very old truth, but it's a good truth, that sometimes when Jesus is all you have, that's when you really discover that he's all you need. And that's what was happening in verse 4. These Christians chased out of their homes, but they still had Jesus, the one who willingly left his home so that he could come to us and bring us back to God. They lost everything, their possessions, their security, their assets, but they still had Jesus, who was prepared to be cut off for them, even die on the cross for them, so that through his death, they could have forgiveness. Through his risen life, 
they could know the promise of the world to come. They lost everything, but because they had him, they finally realized they had everything that they would ever need. And so they were able to speak up for him. That's what's going on here in the book of Acts. If you ever want to know why the church looks so devoted in Acts, it's because they've learned that in Jesus, God is devoted to them. That in Jesus, he has done everything for them to belong to him. And when you know that, no amount of opposition can stop you. That's the backdrop of opposition. Second, the end result of mission. The end result is joy for all kinds of people. We speak the life-saving word, and the end result is joy for all kinds of people. Do you notice our passage begins in verse 1 with a great persecution, but it ends, verse 8, with great joy. So there was great joy in that city. Why? Verse 5, it's because Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Like all God's people, he is sent to speak the life-saving word. And Luke underlines the ministry of signs and wonders that accompanied his message. That verse 6 attracted people to him, authenticated what he was saying for them. Why did it work? Verse 7, because they saw with their own eyes impure spirits cast out, the lame and the paralyzed healed. And so there was great joy in that city. What do we see from this? We see that while mission always begins with speaking the life-saving word, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, it never ends with that either. It quickly overflows into something holistic as the needs of the world are met. Of course it does, because this life-saving word changes everything. It's God's power to save, and it changes us too. As we believe it, as we speak it, as we live it out, we become transformed. We now pr pray and strive for God's healing and blessing to come to the world around us. And now we seek for all sorts of needs to be met. That's why at Highfield, our mission partners are involved in all kinds of ministries, proclaiming the gospel and meeting all kinds of needs too. That's what we're called to as a church, for our proclamation of the gospel to overflow in these ministries of mercy and healing and blessing to the world around us, to bring joy. Joy to whom? Joy to all kinds of people, all kinds of people, experiencing and discovering joy in Jesus. That's what we see in this passage. Even Samaritans, Samaritans who had had centuries of hostility with the Jews, who would have been perceived perhaps as enemies by the Christians who went and arrived in Samaria. But that's the point. Acts is the story of God's people on the move, not just in their comfort zone with people like them, but going as he sends them to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus promised in Acts 1 verse 8, that the Holy Spirit would empower his people and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, Acts is a major turning point in the Bible. Up till this point in the Old Testament, knowing God and experiencing his blessing is like being drawn in by a powerful magnet. You have the land of Israel, and in it you have Jerusalem and the temple. And as the nations see the people of God faithfully living out his law, they were supposed to be drawn in by this light that was shining out and come to worship him. And at rare moments in the Old Testament, we see that happen. Think of the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon and marvelling at what God was doing. But now, in the book of Acts, that changes. Now, 
experiencing God's blessing, coming to know him, is more like ripples spreading out from the pond. That's what it's like as God's work goes to the ends of the earth. And now, as God's scattered people go where he sends them, speaking that word, we become his temple in which he dwells by his Holy Spirit. And as that happens, all kinds of people, Jews, Samaritans, even Gentiles like me and quite possibly most of us in this room, get to experience the joy of Jesus for ourselves. Part of the ripple of what he's doing in the world. That's why it's a privilege to have mission partners and we should pray for them and support them. That's why it's exciting when those among us hear the call to cross-cultural mission. It means being part of the ripple. So here's a question for each one of us this morning. Does the good news of Jesus ripple out from Highfield to all kinds of people? Let me sharpen that. Do we share Jesus with people who are not like us and with people who do not like us? Or do we limit God by only ever talking about Jesus with some people who we have decided in advance might be sufficient candidates? No, let's pray for the Acts 8 openness to speak the word of Jesus to anyone and everyone he puts us next to as we go. You see, as we look at this passage, something major is happening. Even Samaritans are being welcomed in. And that means that anyone can get in on what God is doing in Jesus. Anyone and everyone. So we're called to be a people devoted to mission, speaking the life-saving word against the backdrop of opposition with the end results of joy for all kinds of people. And as we finish, I want to leave us with two challenges. Challenge one, trust God to do something in and through your suffering. Some of us might not be suffering that much right now, and if that's you, do take this in, because it's when we're not really suffering that we can really make these truths the foundation. But some of us will be really hurting at the moment, and if that's you, this might be hard to hear, and I don't want you to mishear me. I'm not saying that everything becomes easier once we understand this truth. I'm not saying that there are simple answers to the deep mysteries of suffering. But God is saying to us this morning that he is able to work even in and through our sufferings. He's able to bring beautiful things even out of our catastrophes. And what Saul thought would destroy the church ended up being how the church spreads and how joy came to the Samaritans. That is what God is in the business of doing, working through suffering to bring joy, working through death to bring life. That's what he was doing at the cross. Jesus opened his arms in his death to embrace us and his suffering saved us. And as we trust Jesus, that salvation not only saves us, but it also shapes us so that we become those who go the way of the cross and what we will discover, like these Christians in Acts 8, is that we are powerful with the gospel when we are vulnerable in the gospel. And that God will use our weakness and make it great strength to do this. Trust God to do something in and through your suffering. You may not always know what he's doing, but because Jesus died and that death was our life, that defeat was our victory, you can always know that he is at work. Second, and finally, let's learn to speak naturally about Jesus. That's our calling, to be like these disciples in chapter 8, verse 4, to speak naturally about Jesus. 
All of us are called to be devoted to mission. All of us have our part to play in that mission. And if you're trusting Jesus this morning, then you already have all you need to do that because he's with you and will clothe you with power from on high. And if you're not trusting Jesus this morning and you'd like to, I have wonderful news for you. He wants you to know his life-giving love. Please talk to me about that. Talk to someone at the door or Erica to find out more. But let's learn to share Jesus naturally. So often I find it really hard to talk about my faith. All sorts of weird barriers come up. And I find that Christians often have that experience. We get a bit awkward, a bit nervous, a bit sweaty. Maybe just me right now at the front who's a bit sweaty. And that all comes across. We end up sharing Jesus in a way that nobody enjoys. Not us and not the people we're sharing him with. It shouldn't be that way. I wish we could say more, but let me now recommend a great book. It's called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy by Sam Chan, and it's fantastic. It's short, and it's full of practical details to help us speak of Jesus naturally. My goal is that we would become people devoted to mission because we see how God has been devoted to us in Jesus. And that would mean each one of us able to share what he's done for us naturally. I think of my friend Jake from university. He was once at a nightclub, and he was being asked by his friends who weren't yet Christians why he wasn't drinking as much as they were, why he wasn't pursuing absolutely every woman in the club like they were, and what on earth was he doing with his life? And it would have been so easy for Jake at that point to have been like, oh, wow, I feel so persecuted and alienated. No one understands me. But instead, he looked at them and smiled and said, if you knew what I have in Jesus you wouldn't even be asking those questions. Isn't that wonderful? A natural way to share Jesus. And his friends really wanted to know what he had from that point. My prayer is that this week, God will give us opportunities to speak of Jesus naturally. And by his spirit, he'd give us confidence in him, not in ourselves, and joy to make him known. Amen. Well, now we're going to be led in a song of response. Um, and, and as that happens, as, as Penny and Matt lead us, why not pray about the people God has put around us? So that as we sing and we think about the love of God that remains, no matter what else is happening, he might put on our hearts people to reach out to. Let's stand as the music begins.